I could please get the panel up uh, to the stage. We'll get going with our question and answer time. John Kelly. Dan and Nancy, I think he's looking for Nancy. Here she comes. Nope, that's not her. Again, please feel free to text uh, anonymously to my cell number, and we'll uh, answer your questions that way. Feel free to raise your hand if you have uh, any questions. We've got several cards, so that's great. Okay, we're going to get started with the panel. Again, if you've got questions, um, feel free to text them up to Pat's phone. Um, we've got some uh, questions on cards here. Just a quick update on Stan Hummel. Um, Stan actually had an appendicitis. He had his appendix removed last night. And, um, the, and he's home. He's doing well. But he just, uh, they just asked for continued prayer. His oxygen levels are down. He has diabetes. And, um, and his, his incision hurts. So as you can imagine, so, so pray for Stan. Let me just uh, open our time up. God, I just uh, praise you that, that uh, um, you are at work um, all around us, that, um, that uh, the work that you have begun in each of us at the moment that you quickened our hearts, um, you are bringing to completion. And I thank you, God, for your patience in each of our lives, your patience in our marriages, I thank you, God, that, um, that it's not about being perfect. It's about uh, believing and trusting in a perfect God. So it's not about perfection. It's about direction. And Holy Spirit, I pray that, that you would continue to um, encourage us and in- equip us. And I pray, God, that we would have new trajectories in our marriage that, um, that are informed and determined by the gospel. And we pray, God, that you would receive all the praise and the glory, and the honor. And God's people said, amen. So we got a few questions. The, um, yeah, the first one is, um, oh, thanks. What is the silver bullet for a great marriage? What is the silver bullet for a great marriage? Wow. The silver bullet. I had a little time to think of that, like, you know, 30 seconds. Um, A great relationship with the Lord, I think, is your silver bullet for a great marriage. Um, And um, the only way to a great relationship with the Lord is time in His Word and allowing His Word to transform your mind, the way you think, the way you process. I think that's what I would say, a great relationship with the Lord. I'd just, just add one thing to that, and I would say um, identity in Christ is that uh, so often 
when uh, our spouses upset us, it's because um, our identity is in what they say and what they think of us rather than remembering who we are in Christ and what he thinks of us. Does that make sense? Dan, let me add something. Uh, I I think the the question's hard to answer in in a sense because there's not one thing. Uh, The reality is, and and what I want to encourage you to do is to be Jesus to your wives and to be Jesus to your husbands. As the Word informs you, and as Kelly said, transforms your life into being more Christ-like, nothing will improve and enrich and deepen your marriage more than that. Just be Jesus to each other to the degree that the Spirit and Word conform you to Him. Pour out His love. Yeah. I've got one, how to let go of past sins, uh, how to forget, and uh, after forgiving. Uh, last night we shared with you a threefold commitment. The first one is to not dwell on the sin uh, and, and spend time massaging it in your mind and, and brain and uh, a second one is uh, of the threefold commitment is to not bring it up to the offender unless admonishment is needed. And the third one is to uh, not uh, uh, speak party. of it to others in, in, in the form of gossip. So what, what those three principles do, it, it, it tries to empower you to not uh, think on it. But probably a, a greater step to take than anything is to, and sometimes, and, and I know this, uh, Sins uh, are deeply and emotionally uh, destructive and painful in relationships. And sometimes, uh, if you remember the slide last night where, where we see uh, others' sin against us as this huge red circle and, and, and our sin uh, as this little bitty thing, and p- part of the struggle is that uh, we look at someone else's sin without the filter of realizing that we're sinful too and that we need the redemptive grace of God as much as any other human being on the planet, and, and just living in that reality. And also, a third thing, understand that there is no sin ever committed on this planet bigger than the death of Christ. Nothing, I, I don't care what it is, is bigger than the death of Jesus Christ. And it, it, we, we have this propensity and tendency to make sins bigger than Jesus' death. Do not go there. His death is sufficient to pay the penalty for all sin, And bathe yourselves in the truth that he died to pay the penalty for every sin and never make your sin bigger than his. There's this concept out there, and you hear it more and more all the time, we need to forgive ourselves. That is not biblical. And that's putting our sin on a pedestal. It's not uh, realizing that Christ paid the penalty for our sin. It's, in a sense, blaspheming the death of Christ, not making much of what he did. So um, those would be a few thoughts. Not only is Christ sufficient to forgive that sin, he's also sufficient to bring healing and joy and peace and strength again to the one against whom the sin was committed. Oftentimes, others have to bear the consequences of our sin. And so Christ came not only to forgive our spouse's sin, but he came with the power to bring us peace and healing if we're bearing the consequences. So here's one. What helped you in overcoming your sensitivity in communicating with your spouse? What helped you overcoming your sensitivity in communicating with your spouse? And if, do you want to answer that? What are you going to say? 
I'm not going to say anything. I'm the most sensitive guy I know, actually. I'm not very good on the spot thinker, but um, I think just as what they've just talked about, just remembering that it's not about you, it's about Jesus and not taking it, try to not take it personal and to, um, to just, um, you know, be quick to listen and slow to anger, not to give a quick response is helpful because most of the time things are said that don't need, you know, that you can, you can deal with later. You don't have to give an answer right then. You, if you were, your feelings were hurt, you can come back and later say, I don't know, something like the way you said that made me feel like this or something like that. And then that would be more of a, you know, I guess, a gentle admonishment. So. And I would just add to that, too, to um, think the best. You know, oftentimes when something comes out of your spouse's mouth that, like, like it's a zinger when it, when it hits you, it's easy to, um, to think wrong of your spouse and to judge their motives um, rather than asking clarifying questions. Like, what did you, what did you mean by that? Or that, that, that really hit me wrong. It kind of hurt. Would you mind cl- re-clarifying that for me? And I don't, I don't do that very often, by the way. Uh, I'm, I'm growing there. Just to tag on to that, I think it's oftentimes easy to get defensive um, and to remember that, like, John's my best friend. He's for me. He's not against me. And so women, you know, don't just automatically assume that your husband's against you. He's for you, and he's for your relationship. And so I think that helps you to keep the right perspective. Please explain a self-trust relying upon your own feelings, experience, logic, common sense to determine your relationship with God. I just want to say with all emphasis that no one's relationship with God is based on any one of those things. Our relationship with God is based on the truth that he shares with us in his word about what he's done for us and how much he loves us and values us. And we need to uh, establish our identity and our relationship with him on his truth, not on our feelings or our perceptions. Okay, sure. Um, How do you handle those days when you simply feel disconnected to God? Um, I think that I, well, for me, if I don't, you know, I have, um, I probably probably shouldn't say it, but I, like, if I don't feel his closeness or, you know, that's kind of a weird thing to say, but because I know he's always there. And um, so sometimes if I think that I feel distant from him, I know it's me, it's not him. And so I ask him to search my heart. I might can, you know, well, tell him that I feel distant and asked him if there's any areas in my life that I'm deceived in. Um, I might tell Dan or a girlfriend that can speak truth to me. That'll kind of just help me just to, you know, get my mind thinking right again or um, put music on, praise music on or um, like 
young, when the kids were younger at home, sometimes I just opened my Bible on the counter so I could just go, you know, get a fresh piece of word here and there and just left it open on the counter. Just to add to that, I think when um, there are times when I feel um, distant from the Lord, and, um, and there's usually um, uh, lights on the dashboard of life that go off that kind of indicate that to me. It's not always obvious. You know, it's usually like sin is manifest in my life. I'm, I'm quick to anger. I'm quick to speak. And, um, and then as I, as I diagnose it, it's because um, I don't feel close to the Lord. And then the reason I don't feel close to the Lord is I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not communing with him. I'm not, I'm not in his word. I'm not praying with him. I'm just kind of um, doing life on my own. And it just, it's crazy, isn't it? How sometimes that um, a man that is just, um, that loves the gospel, that I can go days, actually. I can go days where it's like, man, I, I haven't been um, nourished with fresh bread. I'm, I'm relying on old bread. I haven't been nourished with fresh bread. Haven't been in the word not, um, I'm not praying. I'm not listening. Um, and so I would just say that when you feel, like Nancy just said, when you feel distant from the Lord, it's not him. It's you. And, um, and even if your emotions don't want you to pick up the word, pick up the word. And if you're having a hard time getting there, ask your spouse or ask a, gals, ask a girlfriend. Guys, ask one of your guy friends to, to pray for you and to uh, uphold you. We need each other. And sometimes I think there's also just that discipline that you're learning, that you may not feel close to him, but there's that discipline of of just being in his word and just seeking him. And That's it. There's a a great question here that I want to answer, and then maybe the other guys or gals want want to chip in. But the, the question is, how can, um, how can couples practically establish a pattern of lovingly, humble admonishment? And my phone went dark <laughs> before I read faster. Oh, cancel. Um, in, in confrontation, and l- let me address it this way. I think as you grow in your maturity in the faith and in your marriage relationship, I guess what I would encourage all of you to do is, is sit down and have a serious conversation. Do we want to grow together in the gospel? Do we want to help each other grow in grace and truth and, and an expression of the love of Christ in our relationships? Uh, do we want to come alongside each other if admonition is needed uh, and speak truth into each other's lives? And, and, and we're going to talk about oneness in the next session, but, but I want you to begin to see your relationship as growing more and more into oneness where you're on a journey together to help each other become more Christ-like. And sometimes that's going to be, we need to sit down and have a hard chat. But because I love you, uh, we need to talk about this issue. Uh, we need to discuss our communications. We need to discuss uh, stuff. And uh, what we encourage couples that we're discipling is that there comes a point in your relationship where you need to become a team to help each other grow in Christ. It's not just you alone against the world. That's, that's the world. You are together in this to grow spiritually, emotionally, in, in every conceivable way into one unit, loved of God, empowered by God, and expressing the glory of God. And, and you need each other. Uh, there's no one on this planet that knows me better than this woman right next to me. And if I need admonishment, I need to receive it from her. 
uh, and I need to accept it in humility and in love because I know her love for me uh, is that kind of love. She wants the best for me. So, anyone else? I just want to make sure that I... How can couples practically establish a pattern of loving, humble admonition and confrontation? I'm not sure if I know how how to, but that you do it is important. Um, I know that uh, with Kelly and I, um, this is one area that maybe I am a spiritual leader, but I really need unity. I need this relationship. I, you know, I'm a needy guy. I think I tried to communicate that a little bit last night. I'm, I, I need, and if this isn't working, my life doesn't work well. You know, I can, I, I, I desperately need this relationship to be good, in order to go to work, in order to be, you know, to be everything that I am called to be outside, to, to be a minister in the church, to, to be a friend, to be a father. I need this relationship. So, uh, I guess. How to get there is not, I don't really have any answers other than you need to be there. You need to establish time uh, with your brides and, and men take, take the leadership in that and, and just start communicating and make it a priority that, that when you sit down, it's not always just about stupid stuff. The stupid daily stuff is the stupid daily stuff, which is all good, right? I mean, we're going to talk about that stuff, right? But <clears throat> I love Kelly uh, because she always... I love her for many reasons, but um, one of the things is she always, she does, she wants to talk about spiritual things. She does. A woman, in, it seems to be a little bit more natively designed to be spiritual than men are. And so uh, just just sitting down and, ha- and having intentional conversation is, is, is good to, that works on the spiritual matters in your life. So I just encourage you to take steps to do that. Make it a regular part of, of your lives. Like, like last night I said we established couch time. Well, establish a time in your weeks, maybe maybe once a week or maybe maybe every day would be awesome, is if you guys just connect and, and talk about things. And, and I have to say that um, it, <laughs> we've been 26 years into this, in this adventure, and, and I can't say that we've always done it very well, right? Um, that, you know, I've been frustrated with her at times, right? She would not respond. Like if I, she wouldn't respond the way I wanted her to. Man, how frustrating is that, right? That when you're trying to engage your wife and, and, and she gives you nothing back. And, and so, but, but I have to say that working and chipping away, at, like mentioned those, those stones, those bricks, sometimes we're just chipping away at things. We're in progress, one grain of sand at a time. But uh, start the process, I think, is just more than anything. I encourage you to, to just in, in, engage with your bri- brides in meaningful spiritual uh, conversation on a regular basis. Was admonishment part of that question? Yeah, just want to want to chat about that real quick because the um, I am uh, I'm a natural by God's design um, exhorter. It's it's easy for me to admonish, and um, for my bride, she's uh, she drips with compassion, and admonishing and exhorting is not easy for her. So in our marriage, I need to admonish less. Um, I need to. Um, give her more passes because otherwise I'm just going to be riding her all the time and as if she needs any riding anyways. Um, and the, better way, the best way she can love me actually is taking some risks and admonishing me when she doesn't want to admonish. So that's a principle in your marriage. There's usually one in each side that is like more prone to go, you know what, this is your sin, honey. Um, maybe you need to just back off on that. And the other one who never points out the sin in the other one, uh, maybe you ought to point it out a little bit more often. 
I think um, a lot of that begins with reconciliation and that process. I think as we come to someone to admonish them, if we're willing to look at our own sin, if there's sin there, we can confess that and ask forgiveness first. And I think sometimes that releases a heart to receive or to give admonishment in, in speaking the truth in love, not in anger or whatever. And guys, I, uh, I want to encourage you as the spiritual leaders in your home to set the, uh, set the table for this as best you can. Uh, invite your wife to bring to you things that need correcting in your life. Uh, I think if you set the tone, uh, admonishment and correction and, and encouragement and, and everything that's good spiritually can come to your life. Uh, there's one I, I, I want to address here because I think it's huge in our time. Uh, some of these we're not going to get to just by time, but I had a thought. Uh, we will address these in writing and post them somewhere so every question's answered. Uh, we'll have to figure out where to post them, but if we don't get to your questions, we might have a little time next session, but uh, this one I think is important. Uh, what are your thoughts on the impact of technology, positive or negative, on spousal communication? Talk about a question. Uh, I, I love this, but I hate it. End of story. Uh, yeah. We have some of our most intimate times texting. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know. That's too bad. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Snap, Snapchat has been awesome. It's, I mean, it's, it's saved our marriage, really. It's, uh, so when we, when we fight and we, just, we can't come to a common ground, we just go to our separate rooms and we uh, chapsnat or Snapchat or whatever it is. The, uh, I, th I, think, I think technology, um, just in the, in the couples that we have been privileged to, uh, to disciple, to counsel, um, oftentimes technology is a barrier uh, because they don't use it for the right things. Um, texting, for example, you should never um, talk about big decisions um, or big questions or big accusations in a text. A text in a marriage is for, hey, honey, pick up the milk. I'm running late. I love you. Um, let's talk about this when I get home. But do not try to have any type of conversation over text because you can't see the tone. You can't establish a context. And the enemy, I, trust me on this, 90% of the time is going to use it for his good, not for God's good. On a little different note, um, Kelly is very industrial, or industrious, I'm sorry. Um, uh, she, if, if one, of the reason, one of the things that attracted to me, uh, to her early on was, I just remember this back, it was, uh, she's in college, and I just remember visiting uh, her, her little um, apartment where she was living with a couple other young ladies, and, and how just, she was always busy, 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 zooting around, she was never stood still, she was in, industrious to the nth degree, and I thought, you know what? A part of me, the very practical part of me, says that's a woman to marry. <laughs> you know, really, because if she's working like that, she'll do that for me. You know, <laughs> and uh, and I thought this is this is good. And by the way, my dad said make sure she's got good teeth. And I looked at her teeth and I said she got good teeth too. I think I got it all here. You know, and uh, uh, 
But so in our home, though, Kelly is like, like she will work and work and work and work. I do not want her to ever work outside the home. See, we've been, we've been blessed that she's always been able to, to uh, uh, not have to work outside the home. Because if she did, I think it would consume her. And it used to be that, that, that doggone computer. Now, so now it's phones. But dial the clock back about 10 years, it was a laptop, right? And, and she had that doggone laptop sitting right. What's mission control center in your home? What is mission control? So where is it? It's the kitchen, right? Everything happens in the kitchen, does it not? We live in there, man. We don't even need a living room. But she's in there, and, she's, and guess what she's got in the kitchen? The computer constantly was on the computer. And so, so she would be there night and day. Morning, she was working on it during breakfast. Afterward, come home at night, she's still on the doggone computer. And, 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 and so I got frustrated. So this is not a diss against Kelly. She's just industrious. And so, um, you know, we had the discussion. It's like, this is really, this, this bothers me because it takes away, it robs time from everything else that we want. You know, I don't even get any time with you. Like the kind of time that I want, you know, sitting there. Dan likes the quality time. I love quality time. I like sitting next to her. I like holding her hand. And you can't do that when she's on the So anyway, we had these talks, and it took, it took more than once, I mean, you know, to break, to break her of these habits. It took time, right? But ultimately, she, she, she went in various degrees of, of, of agreement with me and then ultimately put the computer away. Ultimately, it, it was vanquished from the kitchen. And then, and then so that was a, a battle won, you know. Now, now we have a better, better marriage, marriage situation in that sense. And then, and then these phones, these phones are insidious, are they not? They're everywhere with us. And, and so we've had several discussions about that. And I think, you know, as, as it tr- tries to invade, I think we all just need discipline to put the thing in its place. It's a tool, and it has a purpose. But don't and and you are guess what God has given it for you to be masters and commanders of 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 His creation, right? And this is a piece of it. So put it in its place. And so as long as you're in control and you own it and it doesn't own you, you're in good shape. So and and if you're willing to put it away for the for the benefit of your family, for the benefit of your uh, marital relationship and other things, then, then that's good. There you go. That's a little insight. So Kelly taught me how to use Google Maps. Google Calendar. Google Calendar. (laughs) And it helped my marriage. Because now we share a calendar. Oh, thank you, Kelly. Yeah. I've got one I just can't let go by since uh, we love community groups. It's what responsibilities should community groups have in, and my phone went dark again, I need a longer time to keep it alight, uh, in sharing and bearing all the struggles in one another's marriage. And one of the things we're trying to do in the community groups is, is to develop and deepen the concept of life transformation groups, which are men getting together with other men and women getting together with other women and growing and learning to address some of these really difficult issues and find the strength and resources of God through prayer, through his word, through the encouragement of others. It's just been a delight to sit with some of the community groups and see these things happen. Uh, But again, the issue is time. It it takes time to to invest in these things, and I know we're all busy, but (coughs) so we continue to encourage the community groups to, to do that. Yeah, um, maybe I can add to that a bit. 
Uh, yeah, we did we did life um, by ourselves for a lot of our marriage that we didn't we didn't have community really, and um, and then when I started when we started having community, I started meeting with some other guys, and we we called them accountability groups, right? And um, what I've found with uh, accountability groups is that they they didn't work, um, they didn't work. They they usually uh, lean towards um, license, meaning that we would confess our sin to one another. Uh, maybe we'd complain about our wives or something like that. And the license would be is like, hey, brother, it's okay. You're, you're saved. You know, God loves you still. Just keep pressing on. Or it would go to legalism. And legalism is like, you're an idiot. Um, stop doing that. Um, you know, God's going to punish you for it. And what we need to do is we need to help each other stand in the gospel. Um, the, the beautiful thing about men meeting with men and women meeting with women is that we need to help each other fight sin. Um, we live in a world where that um, even though he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, we live in a world where there's going to be trouble. And ground zero for a lot of our for trouble is in our marriages. And, and we need other men, men, to talk us off the cliff, to pray for us, to remind us of the gospel of Jesus Christ and our identity in that gospel. And ladies, you need the same thing. And I would, the one thing I'd add to it is the threefold commitment, is that when guys are meeting with guys and gals are meeting with gals, um, commit to this. And I don't have it verbatim, so I'm going to throw it back over to you guys. Don't bring it up unless admonishment's needed. Don't dwell on it in the form of self-pity. Don't talk to others about it in the form of gossip. Guys, do not talk about your wife's sin with other guys. Um, There might be a time and place for that, according to Matthew 18. But um, talk to your guy friends about your own sin and how you need the power of the Holy Spirit to respond righteously and lovingly to your wife, even if she is in sin. Because God gave you that wife, and God knows that she was going to sin against you. And the issue isn't to stop her sinning. The issue is, is how do you love her in the midst of her sin? And women do the same. Stop. We're going to address one more issue. It came in the form of a question, but I'm just going to summarize the question. It's, it's uh, and, and, and I understand this, uh, this seminar and what's coming next could be incredibly overwhelming for your life. These are serious, significant issues that can destroy marriage and destroy people. And I don't want to talk about them, but I'm going to talk about them because they are significant, they're real, and they're permeating the church. So, with that said, I want to read you a passage of Scripture. This is from 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and with one another, and the blood of his son, Jesus, purifies us from all sin. Mm -hmm. Part of what this weekend's about is bringing into light the sin in our lives, all of our lives. And I want you to understand that God is a God who forgives. God's also a God who restores through prayer, 
through study, through the fellowship of believers. I don't know if you remember that last page. It's Christ and all that he's done for us. It's his spirit. It's his word. It's brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's the humility of our sin that will cause us to grow and to become more like him. So keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, we are here to minister to you. This body's full of people. We have six or seven people that are capable disciplers. If you have serious, serious issues, uh, let us know. Uh, we want to bring sin into the light that God can heal it, redeem it, uh, over, overwhelm it with the power of the gospel and the shed blood of Christ. And just to clarify, we don't want to bring your sin to the light of everybody else. <laughs> we want to uh, bring it to light in your marriage so they can be dealt with. In the context of your marriage. Amen. What time do we come back in here, Pat? Uh, we'll take about 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. So about 10 minutes. There's snacks out there, water, get some coffee. And rumor has it is that that old couple's going to be back up here in about 10 minutes. So we'll, uh, Lord help us. We'll see you shortly.